Get your wardrobe ready for summer during the annual Venus Memorial Day event. Today only, shop the hottest styles of the season and take an additional 15% off your order at checkout. Just visit venus.com and use the promo code REMEMBER to save today. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show today. Sanity Restored. That's what I placed on my Facebook page uh, as soon as it was official that Biden became the president of the United States and Kamala Harris became the vice president of the United States. I immediately placed on the on my on my wall one simple message, no ifs, buts, or whatever. It simply said, sanity and responsible governance restored. It's as if four years was a nightmare. Four years was a nightmare. Unfortunately, it was not a nightmare. Because what it means is that we don't get a progression. What it means is we have to start from the degeneration and come and rebuild before we can move forward. We've got to rebuild before we can move forward, and that is the problem. Welcome aboard, Michael Rudnan. President Joe Biden takes office, will sign 17 executive orders, and here is the short list. I'll go through the short list in a little bit. Uh, Michael Rudnan also says, I want to give President Biden some time, as most of his first actions are damage control, undoing President Trump's mess. Oh, my God, you hit it on the nail, Michael Rudden. That's what I'm trying to say. Normally, you would hope that a president, the next president, can start and move forward. What we're looking now is not that, but having to rebuild from scratch. Lee Grant says, hi, all. Live from Facebook jail. Keep free speech alive. Why are you in Facebook jail, Brother Grant? You didn't say anything out of order. You didn't say anything that was uh, insurrectionist, did you, Brother Grant? Let me hear why you're in Facebook. Uh, I want to hear why you're in Facebook jail, uh, Grant. Come on, let me hear. Hey, Mark Smith, good evening. People from London, I know you guys are happy. I hope he gets back into the Iran deal. He'll, he'll probably get back into the Iran deal. It makes sense. That's what, uh, you know, I mean, um, what we're doing now makes absolutely no sense, right? I have never once called Trump president. Uh, that's fine, but he was president, sir. Uh, no, you don't have to call him. I mean, I'm not telling you you need to call him president, but he was president. All his executive orders, all the things that he put into play can only be done by a president of the United States. So while I hate calling him president as well, in fact, he was our president. He was my president. I hate saying it, but he was my president. Anyhow, uh, what is the program going to be about today? I'm going to do a little chatter. I'm watching Kamala Harris on uh, on screen right now. Kamala, with her entire family, is walking down. Donald, uh, Joe Biden, uh, President Joe Biden, is already into uh, is already into uh, into the um, into the White House, and she's walking down the avenue to get into the White House herself. Now, uh, let's see, Michael Rudney, you said you had another comment. You said you had another comment, Egberto. When you read my comment, you added prez. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, what can I say, Michael Rudnan? Come on, give me a break. Kind of annoyed might sign off for today. Why are you annoyed? Come on, Mike. We are we're we're positive here. We got stuff done. Why are you annoyed? Let me hear it. Why are you annoyed? Bridge MCP, smile. Lee Grant said, I made use of colloquial speech that referenced a guy from Louisiana. I'm curious to know what that colloquial speech is. I don't think uh Facebook, I mean, uh, YouTube is going to get you off on that one. So let me hear what that colloquial speech was. I want to make sure you did the right thing. Anyhow, let me welcome all my peeps. Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. AVQ, welcome aboard. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Lee Grant, welcome aboard. Mark Smith from London, welcome aboard. Julie Van Ostel, welcome aboard. Mike, I uh, got Michael already. Bridge is watching. Lee Grant, Linda Joe Kessinger, welcome aboard. Aboard. Thank you all guys for being here. Love that you're here. Uh, let's see, Egberto, why did you do the premiere video last night? Were you testing something? Uh, yeah, actually, no, what happened? Let me tell you what happened last night. Uh, let's see. Seriously, Egberto, once again, I've never called Trump president, but you added press when you read my comment and then, oh, forget it. See you tomorrow.
Come on, Rudnan. You know me better than that. Uh, come on. Come on now. Uh, you are my brother and my historian. Stick around and help us out here with the history. Um, Scott Fuless, welcome aboard. Yo. Uh, Bridge, yeah, what happened? Let me tell you what happened last night. Uh, last night, I, I accidentally didn't set the queue off on the video. So it, instead of being just our video, it went extended for a very long time. And what happened then is that um, I needed to cut the video and I made a mistake and I deleted it. So what I did is I re-queued the, ba the backup that we have here that we make locally and went ahead and redid, uh, redid everything. So that is where we are at. That is where we're at. Uh, Q, Tank28, you know I'm tired of the, the Q thing, to be honest with you. Uh, still love all you guys, but I'm tired of hearing about Q. And let me tell you why. Q is a conspiracy that makes no sense. It plays on your fears. And for those who believe all the crap coming out of Q, making all that money out of Q, I just don't get it. They are ripping you off. This Q thing is a joke. You know, when they sent that guy, when that guy using the Q methodology went to Washington and shoot up a pizza place that was supposed to have a basement where there were all these, these pedophiles roaming, come on. Now, uh, every time they, 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 they charged the capital and they said, oh, we are going to, um, we are going to charge the capital. Guess what happened? They charge a capital, they're rebuffed. Oh, but that's not that's not the real big deal. The real big deal is on the 17th. Here comes the 17th. Nada. Niet. Oh, Biden will, you know, I have even a few people that keep sending me direct message. Biden will never, ever get into the White House. Um, where's Biden again? Oh, he's right now inside of the White House. Uh, don't you see these guys are pulling, pulling you and holding you guys for, for, for lack of a better word, they're holding you guys as fools. And the reason why is that they're making a lot of money off of you by having you running after something that's never existed. Don't forget, Donald Trump was to call martial law after the invasion of, the, of, the, um, of that. So let's get over it. Unity was professed today. Unity has to come with... Uh, before you can have unity, you must have accountability. Before you have unity... You must have accountability. I am for unity with my peeps. In other words, all my Republican friends, all my Democratic friends, all my progressive friends, all my conservative friends. We must unite. We must be together. We must have conversation. But for the leaders of the, of the insurrection, for the unpatriotic, murderous, uh, seditious, uh, uh, what... what usurp insurrectionists there must be accountability and they must pay for having led a lot of people to do things they would not have otherwise done i don't have problems with the people at large with the average american citizen no but the leaders that know better those who know better those that are fooling my friends on the right a friend of mine today said when you say right wing sometimes it can be uh, it, it's, it's condescending to me. I am not going to stop calling the right wing the right wing, my friends. They are the right wing and they are misleading people. I wrote a book on it. I am not going to change calling it right wing. I am going to talk to you as a human being. I'm going to talk to you correctly. I'm going to talk to you with respect. But I'm not going to not call... The, the reason I wrote this book as I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom. Explained it all. Uh, Eric Hayes says, not everyone is part of that BS thought, and the people that did it are arrested. Are being arrested is what you mean, sir. They are being arrested. They're not all arrested. We have to arrest about a thousand or more people that were insurrectionists, that were breaking glasses, that were knocking things down, that were stealing uh, Nancy Pelosi's computer, etc., etc., etc. Egberto, quoting Julani Cobb, an author I support. I like Julani. He's a very good guy. And I've, I actually spoke to him at a net roots. The Biden speech is both the recalcitrant insisting upon a natural unity counterbalanced by statements that white supremacy must be destroyed. 
exactly. White supremacy must be destroyed. That is an absolute statement, an absolute truth. Absolutely right, Norman Reynolds. So, uh, so my friends, when I talk about a right wing, that's because there is a right wing. And it was codified with the Powell Manifesto, and the intent was directly to fool a lot of people. It is written. I am not making this stuff up. There was a concerted effort to lie to people to maintain uh, the supremacy of business and white supremacy and, and racism was one of the t- or was was a tool to do it. You know, so one of the reasons I do the things the way I do it, the reason I you know I tell people, look, I'm not I'm I'm not racial, I'm not supreme, oh, oh, but what I am is understanding what was done to keep a lot of our. You see that mostly white crowd that were insurrectionists? You see that mostly white group that supports Donald Trump? They do it because in that part of the brain that creates fear, it's about fearing the other. It's about fearing the unknown. It's about fearing anything that departs from the lie we have been telling you since the inception of this country. Since the inception of this country, many, most of us have been lied to. Eric says, if you want unity, you need to stop the negative things as one side has one great move forward. Otherwise, there won't be unity. No, that's not true. That is patently false. That is not true. Let me tell you what unity means. Unity means we come down and we all talk about that which bothers us. And then we talk about what is true and what is not. What is a true reason to be bothered and what is not. That is how you get unity. You you know why America's racial problem never got solved? Has never been solved? Because we don't talk about it honestly. And we allow it to fester. And instead of talking about it, we hide our feelings. When I talk to my brothers and sisters, irrespective of race, I tell them, don't fear telling me anything. Do not fear telling me anything. Even if it's something that you think is going to offend me. Even if it's something that you think, oh, this may be racially insensitive. Don't hold back. Tell me. Because only only if we can have that conversation... Only when we have that conversation can we get to the next level. And when people get there, that is what happens. Well, what is bothersome is censorship of voices and you need to listen and not invalidate others' opinion. It's not about invalidating others' opinion. If your opinion is wrong, it is wrong. If you tell me that increasing the minimum wage increases the uh, uh, causes unemployment, I tell you, that's false. It's not, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. What happens is a lot of people would like to provide opinions not based in fact and want you to sit back and say, oh, that's your opinion. It's okay. There are certain opinions that are not factual. There are certain things that are black, not, neither black or white. In other words, I like apples. I think apples taste better than oranges. That's my opinion. And you and your orange could you may think otherwise, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this is blue. If you tell me this is red, and I need to respect your opinion of this being red, I have to tell you sorry because that type of respect of false opinions gets you insurrections. The fact that many people believe the election was a fraud gave us an insurrection, and now there are hundreds of people because you believe the lies of Donald Trump and others that will have destroyed their lives and will be going to jail. That is what trying to make an opinion a fact does. That's all I'm saying, brothers and sisters. It's, it's important for us to understand the differences. We can disagree that I prefer to have more government than you do. That's neither here or there. You may want to have less health care. I may want to have more health care. Neither there and there. That, those are, that's an ideological opinion. And that's fine. It, neither one is right or wrong. It's about what we want. However, if you tell me that private insurance is less expensive than a single-payer system, I just have to show you math. 
You can't have more expenses and the product be cheaper than a product that has less expenses. It's a material untruth. And that is what we mean. You can't have set of facts. Facts mean it's only one answer. Opinion mean it can be either. Insurrection-based thinking is on those that did it as it is free society as they are responsible for their own choices. I agree with that. There's nothing... I mean, of, of course, Eric, that's true. Uh, Lee Grant says, if you get rid of Western civilization... Would that end white supremacy? White supremacy isn't Western civilization. In fact, Western civilization... You see, a lot of people like to equate Western civilization with whiteness. Western civilization is a composite of civilizations of many types. In other words, Western civilization includes Egyptian civilization, includes Chinese civilization, includes all these things. It's a composite of many civilizations. But of course... What one would like to take is, oh, this is Western civilization, this is white. No, it's not. We are comprised of many, we are, we are general purpose stealers of cultures. Okay? And let's, let's remember, uh, so, so once, once you understand that we are a complex body made up of a whole lot of different societies, hundreds of years old, thousands of years old, you know, China, you know, China was instrumental. Africa was instrumental. If you doubt that, go down to the southern Africa and see some of the structures that have existed pre-pyramid. So, so we, we, not because we haven't documented history mean it does not exist. So the best thing to understand is humanity is humanity is humanity. And once you understand that, you don't have a problem. But... My interview today is fairly long, so I want to go ahead and get there. But before that, I want to ask all my YouTube users to please consider clicking that join button and become a member of our posse. According to our British MCP, it's called the PDR Posse. So please join our PDR Posse. And uh, if you're not on YouTube, if you're on, on, let's say, Facebook Live or any one of our networks, I've just placed the link in there. Uh, likewise, if you want to support us via Patreon, I'm putting the link in there as well. And if you want to support us via PayPal, I'm putting the link in there as well. Please consider getting my book, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. Uh, I do that. And I keep... I, I am not... I Look, I don't hide my feelings with my conservative friends. And I respect my conservative friends' feelings. And if I have something specific to tell them, I'm going to tell them. And if they have something specific to tell me, I want them to tell me. That is how we get the dialogue. So I have the book out there to the, my, the Amazon link. And if you want to go directly to my store, politicsandright.com. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal politicsandright.com slash tour. That is how you can take out the middleman and I'll send you a bumper sticker along with some other stuff. You see my bumper sticker, Politics Done Right, etc. That will do. All right, let's go ahead and get the interview in. I want to thank you guys, first of all, for being here. We'll do the interview and then we'll wrap up after the interview. So here we go. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Ryan McBerto Will is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of our show. Today we have a special guest, especially in a day when we're losing Brother Trump and we are gaining Brother Biden. We have joining us today is Cliff Oxford here to discuss his third book, 
Redneck Reverie, the, the rationale for the Trump phenomenon, which combines data-driven insights and real-life experiences to explain Donald Trump's election to the White House and the intersection with rural cultures across America. Having lived his life among both country folks and the elite, Cliff has the exact insights needed to not only help explain how we got here, but to provide guidance on the road moving forward. And let me tell you something, brother. Welcome aboard Politics Then Right. Thank you so much for having us. You, you, you did a very good summary of my life. I'm going to work some of that into my bio. Thank well, you, you know something? Let me, let me tell you something. I want solutions. I, I, I'm a, look, I'm one of those left-wing progressive guys that believe in the things that I believe in, but want to go over there to red country and hug my brothers and sisters and say, hey, we can get this stuff done. And I'm trying to find folks like you and others who have the same thoughts that say, hey, this is what's really going on in red America. So I'm going to, before I get into your book, I'm going to ask you a simple question. What the hell is happening in red America? Well, um, you know, by the way, uh, if the city folks and country folks ever get together, you know, we call it from the uh, hollow, uh, from the holler uh, to the urban areas, uh, th that's going to really change the country. Um, so that, let's just set that aside. I, I agree with you on that. There's a lot of similarities between the urban areas and the rural areas if you can get past the emotional stuff. But um, what is happening is, uh, you know, if you read the book, The Coup, what happened uh, on January the 5th or 6th, uh, where they took over the Capitol, if you read the book, you start to understand, hey, it was wrong, it was a siege. But you can't say, after reading this book, uh, you know, you don't understand, because these are people that were... Uh, have been disenfranchised and it was by an economic coup in 1982 that started in 1982 with the uh, uh, air, uh, air flight controllers that went on to NAFTA and you basically say to these people we can't afford to pay you 20 bucks an hour you're going to work for eight dollars an hour and you're going to buy your daily products you need from the dollar store and your children are going to get on opioids so I would ask the people, if, if someone came and gave you that deal, would, there, would you want some, uh, you know, uh, some payback, if, if for lack of a better word? Um, now, that's what's going on in rural America. That's The people going to the Capitol is a remnant of that. They're not the center of that. They're not, I tell people, hey, the rednecks didn't show up in the Capitol because it's a work day. We had, they had to work during the middle of the week. Um, but the whole what's happening in rural America is that you took these people that were apolitical, they were very vulnerable, they worked at one job, and when you took their job, you've got to understand this. If, if, you, if you take my job in Atlanta, I can go find another job. I'm mobile. I can go. I'll move anywhere. This is not the deal that Franklin Delano Roosevelt cut with these people. He said, if you vote Democratic, we'll keep you a job. And you've got to admit that contract was broken. I admit that 100 percent. And, and, and let me let me first so that you can see where I'm coming from, give you a phrase that I use on my show all of the times. And it goes as follows. When we unite the ghettos, the barrios and Appalachia, we would have taken over the plutocracy. Yes. Do that, you follow that? I, I totally agree with that. And that's the next great leader of America. The next Abraham Lincoln, the next Roosevelt will do that. We'll be able to do that. And that's when you'll have the great America again. Now, it's interestingly, I didn't read your entire book. I, I went on to Amazon and started going through some chapters. And then I saw the chapter that said the coup. And then I turned around and I said, wait a minute, but this book wasn't written. This book was written before January 6th. Then I went ahead and read stuff. And I read that you brought up Patco, 
the Patco strike and all of that. And ironically, that you started with the Patco strike was interesting to me, given that that power play was made by a Republican, a conservative uh, president that effected that thing that says, okay, we're breaking the unions. We're going to break those things, which ensured that you had a certain amount of payment. I bring that up for one reason, because we have made a lot of what's going on in rural America an economic issue. By the way, I go against many of the progressive intelligentsia into really believing it is an economic issue. But I think other factors played in that the, pup, the, the puppeteers used on rural America that they all fell for, what I call we call the, the election the big lie. I call the totality of what the right does to rural America the huge lie. Uh, let me, I, want to, I, I want you to expand on that, if you will, and then I'll tell you exactly what I mean if you don't expand it as I think you would. Oh, yeah, I wrote in the book. Uh, and by the way, this book was not a pro-Trump book or an anti-Trump book. I know, I know. I do know that. that. So, yeah, Ronald Reagan, uh, and, and to really understand who backed Ronald Reagan uh, was understands what he did. Don't look at Ronald Reagan's rhetoric. Uh, you have to look at what he did. And uh, he started uh, the economic coup and he tested the waters. If America would have pushed back and the unions would have pushed back, they would have never came forward with NAFTA. So you can say it was started by Reagan and it was finished off by Clinton, a Democratic president signing NAFTA. And by the way, I'm a business guy. I love global trade. I, but you just don't sign global trade agreements with no environmental standards and say, guess what, rural America? You're now going to compete with a Chinese worker living in a cardboard box. That's who you're going to compete with tomorrow. And that's what they and that's what Clinton did when he signed that. So um, it's been and, and it was all because of wages were getting too high. For the for the uh, for the for the stock market to make a lot of money, they had to take wages down, and and they basically said that guy in rural America we can't afford to pay you twenty bucks an hour. But I don't look. I don't want the that guy in rural America, that guy in urban America, that guy in exo exurb America. I, I think it's it's um it's the Americans in general working class Americans, and when I say working class American, I'm not talking figuratively the working class America everybody think about, which is white America in, uh, let's say, in Appalachia, white America in, in, in the Midwest or anything. I'm talking about all working people got screwed by the establishment. The establishment not being just the Republican establishment, but the Democratic establishment as well. And you, you pointed it out very well when you stated that Donald Trump tested the waters and, and, and Clinton signed NAFTA. That is a perfect instantiation of the establishment. My concern is, and, and explain to me why, my concern is the addiction of the, uh, the rural America and right to support, a po support policies that can be proven materially to hurt them. Uh, you've been there. You've lived there. Why? I can tell you why, and I don't think anybody else has told you why or told anybody why, but here is the why. It's the value system of rural America, and it's not, let's get away from the religion and all that. There's a, there is a value system there that I don't want to be involved in your politics. I want to be left the hell alone. I want to go do this job with a willing hand, although I don't enjoy it, I don't supposed to enjoy this job. And then I get home and I do what in the, what in the heck I want to do. And that is really fundamental to them. I want to be left alone. And if you, and I don't want to be told what I should believe. Don't tell me I should be believed. I should think about this way on gay marriage. Don't think away, don't tell me all that. And the Democrats, because they sold out on NAFTA, they have to do their coalition building and they go down the, a checklist. Uh, you should do this and you should feel bad about this. And it became this whole political correctness. 
Uh, and that is what turns off the people. Bernie Sanders probably has a better economic solution for these people. But if you listen to Bernie, he goes, join my revolution. They don't want to join a revolution. They want to be left alone. And, but I mean, aren't they mutually exclusive though, Cliff? Uh, yes, because hey, look, look at Trump's uh, convention, his first convention speech. I can do this all myself. I, people would go, he's a dictator. I, the people in rural America, that's what they, that's fine with them. If you give them a job and they can live their life and you leave them alone, that's, that's preferable to all this political correctness and political activity and agenda. Uh, so that's what the Democrats don't know how to communicate. And let me tell you, they can't go there anymore and say, we, 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 what a great democratic message would be. We kept those jobs here. We found a way to do it. And that's why you have, they can't, they can't say that. They go there and go, oh, we couldn't do anything about it. The jobs were going to leave anyway. Okay. Here, here's the deal. I think that is what both the Democrats and Republicans, the, the establishment Democrats and Republicans do right now. Here, here's where I, I, I think there is really common ground. Uh, you, you just said these, these, uh, and these rural Americans, they want a job. They don't mind a dictator. They just want a job. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. Okay? Yes. That doesn't compute. They, they don't mind a dictator as long as they have a job but they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. I'm going to tell you that I think it's a little bit deeper than that, but I want to hear if you don't think that is a, if that is sort of a, uh, what's the word? Uh, that, those, two, those things don't compute. I know to, to them it may at this point, but it doesn't, I, I, and that's why I think there are other factors that I want to talk about other than don't tell me what to do, because it is not about what, don't tell me what to do, it's about who I don't want telling me what to do, maybe. Look what, look what the dictator was telling them, mm -hmm. I'm going to leave you alone. You know what? And he, he said that specifically to them. And when he, I'm going to leave you alone, I am protecting these jobs. I'm putting tariffs on products, which we were told, hey, one cent of tariff would wreck the whole economy. He proved that wasn't true. That, that That's not true. It, and so, and so who paid the tariff? The totality of it. If you look at the totality, he was, now, here's the problem. You don't never, once the dictator gets control, you never know what he's <laughs> going to do. <laughs> but to get in the hole, to get you in the Venus flytrap, where he closes down on you, then you've been had. That's the whole dictator. Look at what Saddam Hussein told the people when he, before, when he, before he became a dictator. I'm going to let you leave your lives. So I'm not saying it was the truth, what he was saying. I'm going to leave you alone. But in the, in the totality, I'm going to keep your job here. I'm going to leave you alone. And I can do this all, all myself. So look at the totality of the message. And you start to see that it does, it does weave together. Now, I, 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 th I don't think I agree with that. But that, that's not important here. Um, what is important, however, is I think uh, I, I want to know what is it, what will it take for rural America to decide that it's not going to look at these those issues that you're talk of, talking about if it actually hurts them. What is it going to take? For, because you said, OK, they want to be left alone. They don't want to be told what to do. In other words, they don't want to they don't want to be told that gay marriage is OK or that they, they must support gay marriage. OK, uh, is the converse true? Do they want to be able to tell the gay person who wants to get married that they shouldn't? Well, I tell you, you, you you're, you're you're picking up some rightful contradictions, because let me give you this example for I answer your question. I will see my high school classmates, many of them, most of them still live right there. 95% mm -hmm. of them still live right there. Yeah. They will go on Facebook and rant and rave about Obamacare. Mm -hmm. They will rant and say, you know, this is awful. But when they get sick, they're the first ones on it. Right. They don't, you would think 
in the hospital, you would say, you know, this is kind of great care I'm getting here for free. Shoot, I should advocate for this. But that's not the uh, analysis they do. <laughs> so let me stop you right there, because that is where somebody like you should come in, right? Because better than anybody else, somebody who writes a book called A Redneck Reverie, The Rationale for the Trump Phenomenon, you are the one who, because to put it, I don't want to sound elitist, but to put it bluntly, what happened is uh, th these people don't really have good critical thinking skills to move forward in life. In other words, they have, and, and I'm telling you this, I'm not tell, I would never say this to rural America ever, <laughs> You're right, but right. I'm telling you this. Um, there's not a lot of critical thinking skills there, but you know who has good critical, critical thinking skills? You do. Well, and, if you, if you, thank you. And, but I'm not done, I'm not ahead, done. Go you ahead, have go good ahead. critical thinking skills. You are the perfect conduit having lived it and to be able and would be respected in an area like that. But what I've found, and you explain it to me better if you can, please, is that people like you in general are go into these rural areas and monopolize on their ignorance and use it for a better good. And I can give you a list of senators, a list of Congress people who know that Medicare for all is better for rural America. It's better for the opioid epidemic. It's better for all these issues. I can prove that mathematically it'll cost them less, but they won't believe me. They would believe you. Um, well, first of all, if you read the book, uh, the, I have a solutions chapter in the book. Mm -hmm. Please I read, read that the, chapter. Please read the solutions chapter because I said in the solutions, this is not about tax cut. This is not about tax incentives. The only way you're going to turn this whole culture that we have lost uh, around is direct government payments. I don't care if you got to go in there and give full employment to them. Um, that, that's, you said that in the in the end of the book. Yes, I did. You know, the, you know, we have part. That is actually there. There's a direct payments. We have we have that as a progressive policy. I've got it in the book. Yes. Now, uh, and this goes to, uh, you know, the, you know, some of my conservative friends say, well, we'll give them some tax incentives. My governor here in the state of Georgia, let's set up some. I said, there's nothing to incent right now. There's no right. You, you've got to go in with direct payments, give them a full employment and turn this thing around because it's a far worse. And please read the chapter on the opioids. It's far worse than inner city of America has ever seen. I want to stop you right there because that, that, that is true what you're just saying, but here's an issue. Unfortunately, because of the way the crack ep epidemic in urban areas were covered and how the opioid epidemic is covered differently one is treated as a medical issue one is treated as a law enforcement issue i think believe it or not that is consequential in how in how it has grown over in in middle in rural america your thoughts you're saying it was a law enforcement over a medical issue in no i'm saying in urban america it was considered a law enforcement error i mean issue in rural America, it's considered a medical issue. And given that in, in the, the, the places that get money are, is law enforcement under our current type government, whereas medical stuff is not treated as well, it actually hurts the rural areas that much more. I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, there is uh, probably a tinge of racism uh, in, in, in that ultimate outcome. But we did see the law enforcement was a total failure. They got a great, they got a great excuse. Uh, they can say, look, we tried law enforcement and then it was a tremendous failure. So now we got to try rehabilitation. Um, one first instance, many of the lives were black. In the second instance, many of the lives are white. So right. it's convenient, but it's probably true. It, instead of an inconvenient truth, it's probably a convenient truth. Um, so that is, uh, where I see with that. And what was your other question? 
No, no, I, I think that, that, that actually answers both. You, you agreed with, with that medical, we don't put a lot into medical care, and you also talked about the racial issue, so that, that completes it. Yeah, you know, um, I, I wrote in the book that, uh, you know, white liberals tend to underestimate their own racism and overestimate the racism in everybody else. Um, if you look at, um, and I, I write that there and I, I write in the book in these policies, there's a thread of racism. Look that, that there is, but it doesn't, it's not as high as give me a job and leave me alone. You know, it's, it's interesting that you spoke about the white liberal, uh, or white progressive. I, I go to a lot of white progressive conferences and I go to a few conservative and uh, while conservatives go out of their, while white conservatives go out of their way to try to make me comfortable, to prove to me that they're not racist, uh, the white progressives don't give a damn and they, they have their own cliques and sometimes I'm the forgotten man in certain, in certain areas. So that is something that I've spoken about, written about at Daily Coast a, a whole lot about people are people. I found good conservatives, bad conservatives, good progressives, <laughs> right. bad progressives. Right. You know, you I, I imagine I'm talking a, to a good conservative right now. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I'm, cons uh, you, I, I'm really an independent thinker. Mm -hmm. um, but I know one thing, in and in a, you, you've never seen a more click, closer click than a group of white liberals together. I mean, you're talking about, um, uh, they are, you know, uh, send their kids to the same school. They, they do everything together, but then they, you know, tell everybody else how racist they are. Um, but um, that, is, so that is the, uh, there, there is an element of racism that's there. But, uh, and, and, I, and I write in the book, in rural America, it's, what's even deeper than racism is they're opposed to any change. I think that's one thing that yeah. no one understands. Conservative. That. That's what it means. Conserve how things are. They want to, they want, and, 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 and even when they're bad for you, they want to conserve it. I mean, that, that, that's some of the lack of critical analysis you've talked about, but uh, just don't change. So if I'm an African American and I'm and and I'm in the rural area, if I talk like you, act like you, think like you, I'm you. I'm 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 I I, I you're welcomed. You just can't go in there and start saying uh, things that are different than they are and think different than they are. But um, but that's uh, that that that's. The white liberals and Nancy Pelosi and they under um, they over they think the whole they write off all their faults by saying that whole area is just racist. It's all deplorables and they're all racist, and uh, that's because they don't have a message for those folks anymore. Well, you know what what is interesting is I do think I don't think there is a message for those folks. I think there is a way of getting the message to those folks. And uh, that is where I think, first of all, the pieces of your book that I read, damn good, first of all, let me just tell you that, folks, the name of the book is A Redneck Reverie, The Rationale for the Trump Phenomenon. Um, I, I think the, the, a lot of the book is insightful now, of what I've read so far. But where it comes to, I, I'm, a, I'm an engineer by training, and I only believe in numbers, and I also understand humanity. And I think... I, I think where we may differ is that, you know, I think we need to tr separate progressive values from the progressives who create them. A lot of the progressives who create them couldn't live to the standards of what progressivism really is. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, 
Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. You follow? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, but what I think are these values, however, under the right context with the right uh, messenger, I think would get to the rural America and make a better country. And I tell you what, you actually stated it yourself in talking about direct payments, what we call basic income. If we started that and we built on that so that these people could see that a lot of how they were indoctrinated, government, government don't work. Government is the problem where they can actually see that, no, government is a solution because if you believe our society, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a better union, that is government. And I think if we started preaching and teaching that and also making sure that government works and having a messenger who can do it vis-a-vis Cliff Oxford and others, I think we would be able to solve some problems. Yeah, that's a much better message than showing up and saying, you know, um, all the political correctness and how awful you are, which the Democrats basically lectures and chastises and tells them how bad they are. I think if you want to do this, and this is going to be a brave candidate running for president, you want those rural voters to change, show up with your checkbook and say, you know what? We're going to give you full employment. We're going to bring your jobs back here, even if we have to pay for it. And I, and I put an idea in the book. Uh, you know, many of the jobs there are paying, let's say, 9 to $10 an hour. The government could have a program to say, we're going to raise you. We're, we're going to pay you $20 an hour. Your company's paying you 10 and we're going to true up just like the stimulus check. We're going to stimulate your job for two years at 10 and let you make $20 an hour. And by that time you should be, you should show, cause we still got to tell people you got to work by that time, your hard work and your experience, that employer may not let you go. They may say it's just worth it to us to keep you here for $20 an hour, but there's got to be a lot of creativity in solving these problems. I, I come from the business side and entrepreneurial side and all of our big, how do you beat the incumbents is you come up with great creative ideas. And that's something sorely missing from the government sector is creative ideas where it's a win-win. Now well, look, you know, I'm it's not in- advocating, let me make sure this is clear. Yes, I'm not advocating to go in there with the checkbook and say, you don't have to work. We're just going to send you a check every month. I'm not advocating that. I'm not for that. I am saying, you know what? If you get up and go to work every day and we've got to true up, the government's got to true up and that sort of thing will get their attention and you could get the rural voters in. Now, Cliff, let let me tell you something. Look, we're getting closer to close. Here's what I'd like you to do. Give Give a quick synopsis of your book. Uh, and then I want to ask you one last question. Two last questions. Sure. Well, the book is a not an anti-Trump book or a pro-Trump book. It's the, the, there is a political rationale for the Trump phenomenon. And that's what I describe. It's not about a bunch of racist people. Who's, there's an element of that. But the people, there was 2.7 million voters who got off their couch and put Trump in office that hadn't voted in the previous election. And if you look at these people, they were all hurt by an economic coup and it was orchestrated and it wasn't a right on the Capitol like we saw last time. It was a lot more crueler. It came in the middle of the night and it took their jobs away because from 1970 to 1980, the stock market went up only 1.2%, 700 points. It goes up 700 points in a day now, 7,000 points. So the economic coup that 
they said we can't we gotta we gotta hurt wages in the country and where the job where they could do that and they did it more than they did in the inner city they went to these rural towns and they took those jobs from twenty dollars an hour to two dollars an hour in china and that was what created the climate and this is very important i that created the climate and conditions for a Donald Trump, a reality star celebrity to be elected president of the United States. And that was created over 40 years. So when the media says, how can they vote for this man? I can tell you, the book tells you exactly how they can vote for the man and, and the rationale for it. And what is really hurting the country. So that, and then I, at the chapter, I provide solutions. The final part of the book, I grew up in the Okefenokee Swamp and I grew up in redneck heaven and it was country sunshine. And now when I go home, it's country squalor. And you say, and I talk to the people there and they go, Cliff, white privilege my ass. I'm sitting here living in a trailer park. My kids, are don't have jobs and this was all taken away from us by people in washington dc cliff i love that last part that you just said to which i say whenever we unite the ghettos the barrios and appalachia we would have cleaned out the plutocracy but what the vote that rural america has been making has actually done much less for them, and I think you would have to agree, than would have otherwise if we got progressives, not establishment, if we got progressives in power who believe in all the items that you just spoke about, from basic income when necessary, to making sure we have livable wages, to making sure those people have health care, all those particular issues pushed specifically by progressives are what we are actually looking at. And the only kind of spokesperson that can help that kind of unity is when we get guys like you out there who actually understand those people in, in that region to actually join the fold. So um, thank you very much uh, for that. What, give me a last comment as far as what would you like me to ask that I didn't ask you? Oh, you know, you did, you did a very good job. You got right to the heart of the matter, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, I think what's next, what's going to happen next, it would be a great, great question. I'm looking at doing an uh, update to the book. My publisher wants me to write uh, what happened, <laughs> what happened and what's next, and maybe call it what's next for the rednecks. Well, I'll have what's next for the Rednecks right here on Politics Done Right. It's been my honor to have Cliff Oxford here. He's a businessman. He's, he likes to call himself kind of a redneck, but we know that's not real, <laughs> you know. But um, we have a lot to talk about, Cliff. I, I, I want to pick your brain on a few things for a few things that I write myself. Uh, sure. Thank you for having been on Politics Done Right. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I sure enjoyed that. Hey, guys, look, I had two calls on that I saw late. Otherwise, I would have brought you on earlier. Uh, if you want to call back, call back real quick. I'll try to get you in. I love the discussion that you guys have been having. Uh, by the way, S. Matthews, love what you had to say. S. Matthews says, I've done deep canvassing in rural Trump, Michigan. If you engage, listen, and share ideals for our values, it does work. You are so right, Mr. Matthews. You are absolutely right. And that's why I wrote the book, It's Worth It. Because I find that it's, look, we have a good conservative here that, that's engaging in conversation. If we're engaging in conversations, we are changing minds. I'm watching a great conversation here with Eric Hayes. Um, you know, I mean, uh, people are steeped in their ideology, Right? It, we're not asking people to leave their ideology. We're asking people to think for what's best in their own lives. If you think what will work better for you, you don't, you don't, you don't channel that. You don't channel that through the prism of ideology. You channel that through the prism of your family. What's going to make your family better? What's going to make you have a better life? What is better for your society? 
That is where we have to start thinking. But the plutocracy doesn't want you there. The plutocracy wants you fighting on issues like race, issues like gender, issues like abortion. That's where the plutocracy wants you. Because if you are there, you are not seeing that they're using you. And that's where you get all these crazy QAnon things and all these things to distract you. My goal in life going forward is to get rid of the distraction, to have people talking among each other, to have people who thought they don't have things in common to realize, damn it, you know, we kind of think the same way too. When this brother that I just talked to, we're in the conversation, when he started to bring up things like uh, give every person in rural America a check, I, I, I jumped. He doesn't want to call himself a conservative, but if you listen to him, he's a conservative from rural America. He's, he call it Swamp Town. All right? And it's like, oh, but he sees it. And the reason why he saw it is he understands living in Appalachia and these places, how our government through our plutocracy, meaning the corporations, have sucked the blood out of where he came from. That's why if you notice he said, uh... This ain't white privilege. What The part that I didn't have enough time to explore with him is if I had taken any one of those guys out of that trailer park, put, him, put a suit on him, put a suit on me, and go for a job at, an, at a place that both of us could talk our way through, he would get the job. I, that wasn't the subject of the conversation. That's why I didn't explore that any further. But I understand what they're saying in Appalachia. I understand the concept. How the hell do you feel living in a, in a trailer park, having no teeth and, and, you know, like I always talk about uniting these groups. You feel like, how dare those liberals out there in, in New York tell me I have white privilege when I see those guys that are working for the New York Times doing fine, those black guys and those Latinos and those Asians at the New York Times doing fine, and I'm here in a trailer park, and I, all of the, my family is here in a trailer park. It's not the understanding of white privilege. It's a misunderstanding of what we're talking about. And those, those of us that know better, when I looked at him and I said, critical thinking, what, we ha- what you should be teaching people in Appalachia is critical thinking so that they can vote their interests. Because that is what the Powell Manifesto taught them not to do. Eric... I, whenever we speak, we don't speak assuming everybody is like that, sir. Please, my brother, understand that. I respect everybody and I respect that people in different areas, they're different in different ways. I understand that. Please, I do, sir. All right, we got to get out of here, but I want to thank you guys, even here on Inauguration Day, for having given me a, a good audience. Um, you guys are wonderful. Uh, please consider getting my book. I'm going to put it up up there one more time. And you go, why are you always pushing your book? Because this is how I earn a living. My books, my registrations, that is how I'm able to do this. That is how I'm able to push the message. That is how I'm able to write the articles. New York Times doesn't pay me or any one of these guys. This is how I get it done. Thank you so kindly for listening to me. Uh, you can also subscribe via or click the join button on YouTube to support us. A uh, cup of coffee, that's all it costs you. Uh, please consider going to PayPal, supporting us. Please also consider going to Patreon. Any form of support uh, makes us able to do the work that we do. I thank you so kindly. There's a new day. Uh, please, those of you who didn't vote for Biden... I ask you, give the guy a chance. Hell, I have to give Biden a chance. I wanted a very progressive candidate. He's not. I am going to give him a pass. The PDR Posse, please support the PDR Posse by clicking the join button or going to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Look, guys, I genuinely love you all, conservative, liberal, Democrat, progressive, whatever you are, because we are one nation. When we talk about unity, unity does not mean capitulation to somebody else's idea. Unity means let's listen to each other 
and not judge each other because one makes a mistake when they talk to you. That's why I tell people when you're talking to me, don't talk to me assuming that you're, don't be guarded when you're talking to me. Tell me as it is. Make a mistake. It doesn't matter. Thank you so kindly. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright. Eric, we'll continue talking tomorrow. Uh, you're a good guy. Uh, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Unright. And you know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities are up in the district and I need your help to reverse this trend. Seatbelt save lives and reduce the risk of death or injury. Click it or ticket. No one should settle when it comes to taking care of their health and wellness. And with Everly Well, you don't have to. Everly Well makes lab testing easy with over 30 at-home lab tests from food sensitivity and vitamin D to heart health and more. All with simple sample at-home collection, free shipping, and physician-reviewed results sent to your device in just days. Learn more at everlywell.com and demand better for your body. That's everlywell.com.